today we are concluding our series on Christmas carols. We've been taking, if, you, if this is your first time here this month, every week we've been taking one Christmas carol and kind of dissecting it and seeing what we can draw from it uh, in terms of scripturally and just in our lives because the whole, the whole idea is we, we sing these songs every year but we really don't pay a lot of attention to what they're saying sometimes. They're just kind of white noise in the background. And as much as uh, Lance Ferrelli wanted me to preach on I saw mama kissing Santa Claus. Um, I'm not sure what happened in his childhood, but we're going we're gonna to bypass that actually and do a different song today. And this, this song is, you know, we started with Little Drummer Boy, which is one of my personal favorites. We did Oh Holy Night, which is kind of everybody's favorite. I, I have to be, if I'm being completely honest with you and and keep in mind, you know, I work with the school doing the Christmas play every year. I've been playing Christmas Eve services for a really long time, whether it was with Debbie or me when I took over. And this song's just kind of one of those staples that's there. I don't, you know, it doesn't do a lot in my spirit. That doesn't mean it doesn't in yours. Um, it's just kind of one of those traditional songs that we do that, that feels like Christmas. And it's the song that we sang this morning, Joy to the World. Um, Joy to the World was written by Isaac Watts, who is a, a poet, and he wrote hymns, but this song was actually never meant to be a Christmas carol or even a hymn. It was, it was written as a poem, and it was based out of Psalms 98, which if you read Psalms 98, is really a psalm that sounds victorious. If there was a word to describe that psalm, I would, I would say victory. So as we discuss this song today, I, let that kind of be in the back of your mind, that word victory. It's almost like the subtext of the song. So again, that, that's what we're going to look at, and we're just going to go verse by verse and see what this song is saying. Amen? Amen? All right. First verse, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart Prepare him room in heaven and nature sing. So when I'm reading this verse, the first thing that jumps out to me is the fruit of the Lord coming is joy. So as, as Isaac Watts is writing this and he's, and he's considering that God came to this earth, the first word that he thinks of is joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And that is an interesting, you know, the fruit, the intention of, of God being here is joy. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But joy is there. And it is such a strong and heavy three-letter word, joy, to the point where it can cripple us sometimes as Christians because we think that we should have joy all the time. Yet a lot of times we walk around and the last thing that we're feeling in a million years is joy. And so what we do is we put on this smile and we tell everyone, especially on Sunday mornings, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Everything's great. And we go home with our broken heart fully there. And so what we need to do this morning is to understand this joy that the writer is talking about, joy that God is talking about and what it really is because what it is not is a fake smile on our face, telling everyone that everything's okay while inside there's a completely different story. That is not joy, that is fake. Joy has, is so much more than that. 
And I want to ask you all a question. We're going to ask three questions this morning. And I want you to really answer these. Really consider them. Don't lie to yourself. When or how often, I should say, how often are you filled with joy? How often are you filled with joy? Because in a room full of believers that lift their hands in worship and believe, you know, the words that we're singing, a lot of times we're hard-pressed to find people that are really filled with joy all the time. We need to talk about joy and exactly what it is. This, we talked about what it's not. Here's what joy is. It is a state of mind and an orientation of the heart. I love that. Joy is an orientation of the heart. It is a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. In other words, it's there. It's settled. It is not wavering. It's settled of contentment, confidence, and hope. It is something, or here's the good part, someone that provides a source of happiness, okay? So it is an orientation of our heart. It is, who, it is what we are on the inside, not based on circumstances, okay? But it is settled, it is decided, unwavering, confidence, hope. It is someone. Again, it is not a feeling of all being bubbly and laughter all the time and this and that. That's being happy right? Joy is a settled, determined thing in our heart that we have because he came to the world, all right? Joy to the world. Why? Because the Lord has come. Not because I had the best day today. Not because I had the worst day today, but because the Lord has come. And so the orientation of our heart is on that. Our confidence is in that. Our hope is in that, not what we offer, not what our day looks like, not how our kids behaved at school or at home or what we can afford for Christmas or can't afford. The orientation of our heart is that the Lord has come and that is our joy. That is what keeps us. That is what holds us. That's what gives us confidence and hope. John 16, starting in verse 31, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. These words are very powerful, not in just what is being said, but also when it's being said. Because if you continue on reading the Gospel of John, the next chapter in 17, Jesus takes that whole chapter and he, he prays. He prays that God is exalted, he prays for the disciples, and then he prays for all of believers. After that chapter, he's arrested. Okay, so John, as he's writing out his Gospel, shows us that the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before being arrested is, you will have trouble. Kind of interesting, right? Like what are the things that you say to people when you're leaving town or you're never gonna see them again? They're important things. So what Jesus is saying here before he's arrested, before he's crucified, is you need to, you need to listen. He, he says, he says, oh, do you, you, you now believe? Well, guess what? It's about to get real. It's easy for us to say we believe in church. 
when the music's going and, and the preacher's preaching and everyone's high-fiving and hugging and all that good stuff. We walk out the door, it's about to get real. Do you believe? Do you believe? Because he, this, is, this is what I love so much. He says, you will all leave me alone. Think, think about this for a second. Jesus has poured his heart, his life, his ministry into these guys. And he's saying, you're about to leave me all alone, but I'm not alone. And I love that. Jesus is giving us the answer. He's given us the template for what happens when we lose our joy. Because I honestly believe one of the greatest reasons we walk without joy is the feeling of loneliness. We, when we start to be convinced by the enemy and maybe even other people or ourselves that we are alone, we lose all sorts of joy. And it might not be literally alone, like no one is around you, but you feel alone in a crowd of people. You feel like you're the only one going through this. You feel like you're the only one that has to deal with this and that and the other. And it's just me, 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 me. And I'm all alone. Well, Jesus says, guess what? I was alone too. The disciples abandoned me when I was about to be arrested and crucified. But I wasn't alone. God was with me. And let me say this, and we're gonna, we're gonna see it in just a second as well somewhere else. But when it's you and God, that is a powerful other person. Amen. That is all we need. So when Jesus says you're never alone, that God is with you, that's the only company you need. That is a powerful duo. But it's contingent on something because he goes on to say, after he says, my father is with me, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I think, for instance, we can look at peace and joy very similarly. That orientation of our heart that is not determined by our circumstances. But listen to the wording that Jesus uses here. He says, you may have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. So the trouble is guaranteed. Sorry. All right. The peace, he says, you may have. The point is, you got to receive it. He's not going to shove it down your throat. The peace is there. When the trouble comes, which it will, the peace will be there if we receive it. But we got to receive it. That's the God that we serve. He's not a dictator. He doesn't force anything on us. He says, it's here for the taking. The orientation of your, I've come. Joy to you, peace to you. I have come into this world. When the trouble comes, you can have this peace. What is the peace? What is the joy? I've overcome the world. That's where we have the orientation of our heart. So when things look like they're a mess and we feel alone, like this is only happening to us, we can say, wait a second. I'm not alone. God is with me. And not only is he with me, but he has overcome the world. So my heart, the orientation of it is not going to be stress, worry, fear, anger, bitterness. It's going to be the joy that I receive knowing that. You know, the, the problem that we face with joy again is it, it sounds like an emotion. And we can let our emotions dictate our actions more than we let truth dictate our actions. I feel this way, so I'm going to act this way. I feel alone, so I'm gonna isolate myself from everyone. I feel like God's forgotten me, so I'm gonna forget him. I feel like he's quit on me, 
So I'm going to quit him. I feel like I can't see the end, so I'm going to quit. I feel like I'm going to look stupid on stage with an ugly Christmas sweater, so I'm not going to wear it. The the truth is, it's kind of nice. Y'all are saying, James, what are you complaining about? This was your idea. You told us to wear this. It was funny this morning seeing the women like, hey, you see my sweater? The men were like, see the sweater? Thanks a lot. Y'all need to understand as this continues to evolve with me up here, something you need to know about me is I'm chock full of bad ideas. It's gonna happen, this is one of them, okay? But we let our feelings dictate our actions and we think that joy is a feeling based on our circumstances. So we don't walk around with joy. We walk around with the complete opposite, but joy is an orientation of our heart. It is settled. It is a settled matter. Stephen Furtick said this, I love this. He said, feelings, emotions are a great starting off point. They're a part of the equation, but they are not the final word. You know, it, it's, it would be incorrect to ignore our feelings and our emotions. They are, they are the starting off point before, by how we address God. We need to know where we're at. We need to know that. And if we just cover them up and put a dress on them and say, everything's okay, we're not going to get anywhere. They are a great starting off point, especially in our prayer time, but in worship as well and how we read the word. We need to know that, but they are not the final say. They're just part of the equation. The truth is the final say. The truth is the final say. And I, 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 I want to ask you this question. Well, I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm getting ahead of myself. Because there's, there's something that we need to understand about, about our prayer life with our emotions, okay? Because not only are we telling other people lies about how we're feeling, but a lot of times we don't even address it with the Lord. We even go to him and say, everything's fine. We do our normal prayer, whatever that might be for you, go down the list of I'm praying for this person, this person, and we never really address the matters in our heart with him. Because again, like everybody else, we feel like we should be a certain way because hey, I, I love Jesus, I'm saved, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel like this, but we do. That's the starting off point. But here's the thing that we need to understand about God. God, more than anybody or anything else in the world, is more self-assured of himself than anybody. He knows who he is. God knows how powerful and perfect and righteous he is. So when we go to him with our issues, he's not going, oh, did I mess up? What's wrong with me? That's not his reaction. He knows who he is. He knows he can handle it. He knows he is perfect. And so he wants us to come to him with those things. I mean, think about a a friend, a spouse, or whomever that comes, and you know that there's something wrong with them, and they won't say it. It's like, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. It's like one of the most aggravating things ever. Would you just tell me so we can talk about it? Yeah, I wonder what, what God's like with us with that. Okay, awesome. You prayed for all these people. What about you? How are you doing? Amen, we go about our day. Well, we never really got to the bottom of things. 
Listen to what, how David prays in Psalms 13. David, all right? David. Starting in verse one. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. That is honest prayer. That is honest prayer. You wanna know how to have joy as the orientation of your heart? Start with that. Start telling God what's really going on because, spoiler alert, he already knows. You're not telling him anything new. How honest are you being in your prayer life with God? That's the second question. And I want you to really consider that. How honest are you really being with him? Say, God, I'm frustrated. I'm so tired of this. When are you gonna answer? I'm reading your word. I'm doing everything. Are you, are you talking to him like that? Because he can handle it. Because when we do that, listen, David's prayer doesn't end there. Here comes the orientation of his heart, starting in verse five. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. There's the truth. It starts with the emotion. It ends with the truth. You can have both. You want the orientation of your heart to be joyful? You wanna wonder why you're not walking around like that? Start telling God. And it's amazing when we're truthful with him how then we return to his truth. But if we just put a veil over it, if we just fake it all the time, if we just acting like we're one way when we're feeling another, we never get to the actual truth because everything is surfacy. But when we tell God, he's gonna go, okay, my turn. Thank you, finally. Now let me tell you the truth. The truth is you're feeling alone, I'll never leave you. The truth is you wanna quit, I'm right here with you and I have plans to prosper you. You think you're not enough, you're more than a conqueror. That's the truth that comes with the emotions that we feel. But we gotta be real with him. The Lord has come. We might as well be real with him. He didn't, certainly didn't come for us to be fake with him. That was just the first verse. We'll skim through these next two, I promise. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. I want you to write this in your notes, underline it, put stars around it. He reigns. He reigns. God doesn't just sit on his throne and ignore things. If, if you read a lot of the Old Testament kings, they are, they're the most insecure, immature, Kings, they have these yes men that tell them everything that, that they need to do. They can't think for themselves. They're terrible. All they're concerned about is themselves and retaining the throne, making sure no one kills them and their family because they like to live the good life. Everything else like whatever. Yeah, sure. You're not here to kill me? Cool, whatever. yes. That's not God. He sits on his throne and he reigns perfectly. Perfectly. 
So when you think about what you're going through and you wanna have an orientation of your heart that is full of joy and hope and confidence, remember, he reigns. He's not surprised by what we're walking through. Remember, he's the one that told us we will have trouble. So he's not surprised. But as we're walking through this and as we're being honest with him in our prayer life, the truth remains that he reigns. You wanna hold on to a truth? Hold on to that as tight as you can. God, I don't get it. I don't know how we're gonna pay the bills this month, but I know that you reign. I know that you are king and you will provide a way. I know it. I might not feel it, but my joy comes in the truth, not in how I'm feeling in this moment. Let men their songs employ. And I love this part. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. So as he reigns, what do we do? Come on, Beejah Chapel. We worship. We worship. I'm preaching to the choir here. I know that. And what I love about what he writes here is it's that as we worship, it echoes throughout all of his creation. Rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sound. It bounces off the mountains and off the waters and it goes throughout the universe. Our praise to God. Come on. We join in his creation. We join in his creation in worshiping him. And you know, I I look at worship as that, that water that we pour on our hearts that grows that joy. If we're talking about joy being the orientation of our heart, it's, that, it's like a plant. And, and as we worship, it's just, it's just more nutrients on our heart that grows the joy. But it, but it also works the opposite way. When we don't worship, we're not pouring anything onto our heart and that plant begins to die. It's why we believe in worship so much here. It's why when you leave church and you sit down after worship is ended, you go, whew, I feel different because that joy has been given some life, right? And where our our hearts are awakened and the truth has come alive, where we came in maybe leaning on our emotions too much, the orientation of our heart, that joy has been strengthened because we're singing, Jesus, you're beautiful. What a powerful name it is, you know? We praise you, Lord, as we exalt him and we worship him. It's not just in this room, but the heavens begin to worship and it echoes out through all creation. I think about, you know, what that must sound like in the heavens to have worship echo throughout God's creation. I don't think it's something we're ever gonna hear until we get to heaven, but oh, what a sound it's going to be. Hallelujah. Psalms 96.1 says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day, not just Sunday, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Sing to the Lord a new song. Worship him. How do you strengthen the orientation of your heart? Turn on worship music. Turn off the noise and turn on the worship music and begin to worship him. It's amazing. It is amazing the worship that you can have in your kitchen at home. It's way better than here, honestly, because it's not about a stage of musicians and singers and, and a bunch of people. It's about the Lord. And when we turn our affections to him, we begin to worship him, 
He moves in us, and that joy comes back. The emotions of what we're feeling, the stress, be turned to emotions of gratitude and love towards him, and the truth comes in. The truth comes in. Verse three, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. He rules the world with truth and with grace. Thank you, Jesus. Not with lies, not with deceptions, not with false promises, but with truth. So what we read in scripture is true. What we read in scripture is true. And I wanna, I wanna challenge you this morning. If you're, one of, if you're sitting there and you're saying, yeah, I don't remember the last time I walked around with joy. I couldn't tell you. Get in the word. Get in the word. Start reading scripture. Start listening to what the Lord says about you, what he thinks about you. Because he rules with truth. And so what we're reading in this scripture is true then and it is true for us now. And it will be true for us tomorrow and the next day when things are hard, when our emotions start to come in because things aren't easy. Read the word, get in the word. It is life giving. He rules with truth, but if we don't know the truth, it really doesn't do us much good. We gotta get in it. And so my third question for you is a very straightforward yes or no. Do you believe him? Honestly, do you believe him? And it might be something that you have to ask yourself 50 times a day. Am I believing you right now, God? And you have to choose in that moment. Yes, I believe, I believe. I believe that you rule with truth. And I also believe that you rule with grace. Grace is defined as unmerited divine, which is godlike, assistance. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Unmerited, godlike assistance. You're saying, God, I just don't have joy because this is so hard, what I'm going through. That's okay, I rule with grace. I rule with grace. And I'm going to give you assistance that is unmerited, meaning I don't feel like you gotta earn it. And it's not just a little assistance, this is divine Godlike assistance, which means, yeah, it's enough. It's not determined on if you had a really good day the other day, if you were a good Christian this week and you did all the things you were supposed to do, you prayed for all the right people, you opened your Bible, you came to church, you tithed and all this. It's unmerited, unwarranted. It, it, it's, it's, it's undeserving grace where God says, I got you. Yeah, you will find trouble in this world, but it's okay because I rule with grace to get you through. I rule with grace. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. He's come. We need to understand that. He came. And so the fruit of that is joy. As Christians, as believers, as the church, as a whole, we need to be examples of that. To have hearts that are oriented on joy, confident, hopeful, on the person of Jesus, that though we will find trouble, we may have peace. 
in that Jesus overcame the world. I started by saying that this psalm was, or this song was written based off Psalm 98, and that's a victorious song. Well, I want to read that this morning, and as I do, if the band could come back up, we're going to close in prayer and worship, but I want you all to listen to this. Psalms 98, starting in verse 1, says, Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth, the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious songs, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing their songs of joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. God is a victorious God. Whatever you are walking through, know that. And that is the joy. It's not about how you feel. It's about what's already been done. Okay? It's about what's already been done. It is finished. Jesus is risen and he is coming back. If he can do those things, he will take care of us if we have the peace. If we receive it, if we choose to receive the victory, it's there, it's happened. We got to walk in it. Amen? Amen? All right. Come on now. Listen, it's, it's three days of Christmas. Y'all should be more alive than this. We got pretty sweaters on this morning. Come on. We're going to stand up and we're going to worship. We're going to practice what we preach. But we're also going to pray for you all this morning. If there's anyone in here and you're saying, I don't even know what joy feels like. And like, I get it. This time of year during Christmas, it's that feeling. A lot of times it's like there's a magnifying glass on it because everyone's singing songs and they got their houses lit and they're eating food and doing all this. And the whole time you're going, I, I, I don't want to do any of this. I feel terrible on the inside. We want to pray for you this morning. We want to believe with you that you'll receive that peace and that truth that Jesus overcame. And he did it not to show off. He did it for you. He did it for you. So that as you're walking this earth and living this life, you can do so with joy. You can do so with confidence and the hope that, Lord, how long yet I will sing of your goodness in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how I feel now, but I'm going to believe in what you say. So if that's you this morning, look, no one cares. This is the time. So the pastors and elders can come on up. We're going to pray for you. And if there's anything else that you're walking through today, again, we are a praying church. We will pray for whatever you, if you need healing. If your, your finances are tight right now, you're having to spend a little more money than you normally do. We want to we want to pray for that. And especially if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, He's right there. 
change your life forever, to give you that joy, to give you that peace. We want to pray for you, especially for that. Now's the time. And as I, as I pray, come on up. Come on up. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, for the peace, for the joy, for the hope, for the confidence that is in you. God, you put it out there for us. You don't force it on us, but it's there for all of us, this free gift of you and everything that comes with you, the truth that comes with you. God, I pray that we would receive that, that we would walk in truth that then would lead us to a joyful heart, that we wouldn't wait on how we feel, but we would trust in you. God, that we would learn to be honest with you, that we would learn to say the things on our heart, how we're feeling. God, restore the joy to those that have lost it. And God, I pray furthermore that we would all be examples of joy to those that we're gonna be spending time with over Christmas. God, for those that either we're going to their house or they're coming to ours or whatever, God, that people, whether they say it out loud or not, are gonna be thinking, what do they have? What do they have? And that it would be the joy of the Lord shining through us. Let that be the draw, Father. Not how great we are, but how amazing you are shining through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, come on up.